Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. So I used to have this shirt that uh, it was like a, just a really great shirt. It's why I kept wearing it, even though it went against my typical allegiances. Uh, and I don't know what happened to the shirt, you know, too much stain or varnish or paint or something somewhere along the way, or maybe I outgrew it. I don't know. But uh, it, had, it was like a turtleneck and it was white and it said um, o- Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, and it said 2004 Sugar Bowl champions. And so, you know, it was just a shirt that I got, you know, for free. I didn't pay for the shirt. But it was like an official shirt from the Superdome. This was pre-Katrina, so it was a nice little artifact. And so I had it and, uh, you know, would wear it around occasionally for work stuff. And, um, you know, people would occasionally comment on it. Okay, Sugar Bowl, yada, yada, New Orleans. Were you there? No, I just got the shirt. You know, I was... I was visiting New Orleans, uh, so Amberly and I spent some time doing mission work and had a sabbatical down there one year. That, that spring, that same spring that the cotton, or that's cotton bowl, um, I don't get out much, the sugar bowl <laughs> uh, that happened, and so uh, it was going on same time, so it was all fresh, and, and we got this shirt. Well, you know, to the average person in the United States and certainly in the world, I could have worn that shirt for the rest of my life, and people would have just assumed that... Oklahoma won the Sugar Bowl in 2004, that I was there, and I was part of the ring of champions. You know, it might as well just would have gone just like that. However, if they have a reunion for Sugar Bowl champions, and they check you at the door by the official shirt that they gave you on the field, I would have showed up at that official reunion of Sugar Bowl champions, and they would have looked from their clipboard, and they would have looked at my shirt, and they would have said, yeah, we see 2004 Sugar Bowl, but we see the University of Oklahoma. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, Louisiana State University won that game. Have a nice day. You may not enter. You know, and there would have been weeping and gnashing of teeth because all along I would have thought, well, I was a Sugar Bowl champion. You know, how, how are you not going to let me in? So that's the little snafu, the little problem. Oklahoma did not win that game, as some of you may remember. And so we always wonder, like, what happens to all the shirts that they print? You know, they have to print them for both teams. Well, well the mission agency that we were working with, they had, they had all those shirts. <laughs> so we were trying to give them away to people, you know, and here we have all these counterfeit shirts from the wrong team, which was kind of the jokes on Oklahoma, which I don't know if we have any OU fans here. I know we have some UT fans here, which will be pleased to hear all of that. So um, there's, there's your little Christmas gift uh, if you're a UT fan. But... Anyhow, it, uh, that story always reminds me, just thinking about that shirt always reminds me that sometimes things are not as they seem. You know, we um, often we think of the kingdom of God, we think of the kingdom of heaven, and we just, you know, we see people wearing the shirt and we just make all these assumptions. Oh yeah, well, that person, that person, this, that, and the other. And we make our own evaluations of ourselves. Some of us make loftier evaluations of ourselves and are warranted, and then others of us make, we undervalue ourselves and where we would show up at those kind of things. And so uh, as I read Mary's Magnificat this last few weeks, getting ready for this sermon, I thought this, this song from Mary is really a great 
compass. It works like a compass for the kingdom of heaven. You know, if we, if we lose our bearings and we want to know, like, who is welcomed at the great reunion of the kingdom of heaven, this song locates us perfectly. This song will never let us down. This song will always be true north for God's people. It just works uh, all the time. And the more we learn it, the better it is. Every time we read it, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. And... Um, it's just an incredible gift to the church as we continue to look for and try to enter the kingdom of heaven by God's grace. So uh, we look at this text and it was read for us. And, you know, you'll remember that Elizabeth has gone to visit. Um, I mean, excuse me, Mary's gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth. They're in the hill country of Judah. And there's this leaping that's happening in the womb of Elizabeth. And it kind of calls back to those Genesis stories of Rebecca when she has uh, Jacob and Esau are leaping in her womb and also a barren woman previously, just like Elizabeth. And there's all this activity happening and this excitement for the one who is to come. And so there's this blessed are you among women, Mary, and blessed is the one who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And after all of this excitement and, you know, Elizabeth just gushing to Mary and then to whoever's listening and to God and praise, and Mary opens her mouth and just begins to sing, to say. And it shows us a lot about Mary. Uh, Mary is singing the Psalms, you know, as would have been a custom. She would have known the Psalms, even though she was a, a young, young girl. She would have known these from the time she was, you know, as we say around here, knee-high to a grasshopper. These would have been familiar songs to her. So when Psalm 34 says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, come let us exalt his name together, Mary, that, that she had that in her playlist for what to do when something good was happening, when God was up to something. And we think of about Psalm 103, where we talk about our spirit and our soul and our heart, you know, rejoicing, responding to God and just, you know, a couple of two or three different ways of saying the same thing. So Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Something inside of Mary is like holding up a magnifying glass to the glory of God. She says, all that is in me, all in my spirit, everything in my soul is magnifying the Lord right now because God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten those in a humble estate, or as the RSV translates it, the low estate. Uh, thanks be to God, he has not forgotten those who are in low estate, the low estate of his servant. Beautiful picture. Mary's soul, her spirit, uh, is exhibited here like the strength of an athlete. This is like the Olympic Games for those who pray and sing and follow uh, the Lord. Mary is, this is a practiced thing. She didn't just wake up one day and, oh, this is all just within me. I mean, this is a well-tuned, well-honed deal where Mary uh, has cultivated this prayer, this kind of prayer, this disposition for this sort of prayer, she is, uh, as we've been talking about in this season of Advent, Mary has established her heart in the promises of God. And so it, this is a natural thing uh, to come out. The Magnificat, this song, is, is a great just pendulum and, or, a, or an up and down or a peaks and valleys of the celebration of the low being lifted up 
and the high being brought down. I made a little chart this week that just follows the times that Mary uses some reference to low or to humble or to uh, the hungry, to those who are servants, to those who, are, who fear the Lord, those who keep covenant with God. Uh, those are on the low side, you know, on the, on the side of, of being down, this word humility, this kind of acquaintance with the ground in a low place. And then over here we have the, the proud, those who uh, don't have a, a strong heart, a strong soul, a strong spirit. They would be weak in those areas. They would be strong in some of the things that we value in the world, but they would be weak in those things. As Luke talks about throughout his gospel, um, being, you can have all the things and you can be entirely in poverty in the things of God. And if so, then that's what we're talking about, about the rich that have no, uh, no value in their account uh, when it comes to the things of God. So Mary, again, she's orienting us here. Uh, the proud, the mighty, the rich, those that we always think, gosh, why do they always have it so good? Why do they get away with everything? Why is it, is it not enough for them to have this, this, and this, and this, but then they go and live like this, and then they just seem to, everything just seems to roll their way. And Mary's song reminds us that in the kingdom of heaven, things flip, things get turned, that those who are comfortable now at the expense of others will not be comfortable later. And those who are uncomfortable now because of the pain and the things of this world, those who are rich in the things of God, they will be lifted up. And so we have this great reversal that is always happening in the kingdom of God and that awaits us in eternity. The proud, I love the way she says the proud, God is scattering the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Isn't that great? And everything they have visualized that will save them Everything we have visualized that will save us, everything I have visualized that will save me, except from being rich in the things of God, except for the things of, you know, being low and humble in heart, uh, those things will not get me where I want to go. They will not get us where we want to go, uh, that we will be scattered in that way. The proud are being scattered in the imagination of their hearts. The mighty are being brought down, and God is at work. So, Mary is, for the first few verses of this song, she is singing about a very personal song. She's saying, blessed is the Lord for the things that he has done for me. He has not missed it, that I was in low estate. Here I am, not knowing what to do. I mean, I'm the, I'm the mother of our Lord, and things have gone very differently than I thought things would go in my life. And God has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. And now all generations somehow, miraculously, will call me blessed for the one who is mighty has done great things for me. You hear Mary just makes it personal. He's done great things for me. And holy is his name. It's this great combination of Mary's self-awareness and her awareness of the holy, of God. You know, God has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She's got both mixed in there. She doesn't lose sight of the holiness of God when she's exclaiming and thanking God for doing the great things for her. It's very instructive for me and for us. And she says his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Those who have kept covenant with God will not be disappointed because God's mercy is for those people. And then she kind of shifts gears. I mean, she continues on in the same theme, but now she's thanking God for uh, all that he has done by keeping his promises to his people all these years. 
He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, brought down the mighty and exalted those of humble estate, filled the hungry with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And then she brings up Abraham, you know, and she's looking back and going, you were faithful to Moses with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. You brought your people out of Egypt when we were in slavery. And going back further, uh, you did not forget your servant Abraham when you promised him against all odds that you would make a mighty nation out of him and Sarah uh, you did not forget your promises and Mary's saying I know you're not going to forget your promises to us now all this great rejoicing so once we identify once we celebrate together what this song is telling us that the humble will be exalted and the proud will be brought low, how do we find our way into those low places uh, in, when, in a world that just seems to always be dragging us and making us long for and, you know, wake up thinking about, go to bed thinking about, associating with those that are already on top of the mountain that seem like they've got it all together. We're constantly wanting to climb that in our own way. So how do we gravitate in the direction of humility when all around us, gravity of the world seems to favor the mighty, seems to favor the proud, that they always seem to win? When I talk about visiting low places, I'm not talking about the Garth Brooks song, though it is a wonderful, though it is a wonderful song, and for another sermon for another day, you know. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm talking about these, you know, and I'm taking this straight from the text, the low, those of low estate. And there's so many different ways to be in low estate. And we, we don't have to go looking very hard to find uh, those times when we and those around us are in low estate. It's not like we have to go somewhere else. I mean, it's right here. And so I think that the, the, the word imagination is a real key for me, that just as God will scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts, uh, our, the imagination of our hearts, uh, and it's kind of another way of talking about faith, is, is our way back. It's our way into those low places. Can you imagine if the people of God, if our imaginations were filled with ways to visit the low places? What would it look like following the James commandment to establish our hearts as we wait for the coming of the Lord? But if we find ourselves, if we establish our hearts in these low places, would we not find Jesus is already there? Is that not what the whole parable in Matthew 25 is about? That when we're surprised in the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus says, you visited me when I was in prison, and we say, when did we visit you when you were in prison? And Jesus says, well, I tell you that when you visited those, the least of these, when you visited them in prison, my brothers, your brothers, you visited me as well. And when you saw that there were hungry people and you fed them, you were feeding me. And when you saw there were people that needed clothes and you clothed them, you were really clothing me. And when you saw there were people that were struggling to make it through the holidays and you spent time with them and you loved on them, you were visiting me. So 
I think that our imagination, it really quickly we begin to think about these low places. I mean, many, many of you uh, read at, at something like Project Read. You go visit and spend time with kids in the schools. That's, that's associating in a low place. I watched uh, several of, of, our, of our congregation, but especially it was moving for me to see our children and our youth uh, singing in, in nursing homes and in the homes of our shut-ins last Sunday. And you can just see the, the, the smiles and the bright tones on the faces and people that can't have a conversation with you, but they can still sing, Oh, Holy Night. You know, they can still sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. They just know every word. And so to watch the kids singing with someone in a wheelchair uh, who's unable to, to function the way that our kids, it was just a beautiful picture. And I thought this is a low place. This is one of those low places where the kingdom of heaven is. So when we serve in these low places and we find people who are struggling, we are serving, we are acting as though Jesus is the king and he is a humble king. He is a king that starts in the low places. And so if Jesus wins, which we believe as Christians that he does, then he's going to take all of us in low places with him. Every person on the farthest end of the sideline, uh, when Jesus wins, we, we go. We get the championship ring too. No matter where we were uh, on the field, we, we go. And so the good news as we search for and as we pay attention to when God is calling us to these low places, we find, of course, that the good news is that, that Jesus is already there, that he goes before us, that that's in Jesus' very nature. I mean, even in the way that he comes to us, uh, the way he is born in a manger, and the way he comes to us today, the way that he condescends by the power of the Spirit to visit us when we were gathered as two or more, uh, Jesus is running ahead of us. Jesus is hiding in the low places, and we're always surprised. We get there, and we're wondering, gosh, am I making a difference? And I, it's a struggle because I don't feel like I can help everybody, but I'm here. And then all of a sudden, we realize one day that Jesus was there. You know, and, and we were sharing in that moment together. There's a gospel gravity that's always at work, that's exalting the humble, that's raising the dead, and this is where we want to be. This is what Advent people do, that in the midst of a world filled with darkness and all the headlines and all the stuff that we see that we don't need to rehearse again, we face the darkness and we celebrate together that we don't have to be afraid of the darkness. As the choir said, we're waiting for a king. We're not just waiting for the heck of it. We're waiting for a king. So we wait in confidence. We wait in hope when it's very, very, very dark and we wonder if all hope is lost. That's the moment that the light of Jesus breaks in. That's what waiting for Christmas is all about. So this Magnificat is... Um, really is like a compass. Do you remember the last time that you were lost, that you were out of sorts, that you lost your way on a trip somewhere or you couldn't find something in your house? You know, you just, you were a little disoriented. You were visiting a new place and you were like, I don't know where in the world I am. It's a scary thing. Whether you're five or whether you're 55 or 85, it's no fun to be lost. And so the comfort of that compass, whether it's the compass on your vehicle or you're actually hiking, you're carrying one, you learned how to read it when you were in Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, and you're sitting there going, okay, it doesn't seem like it. I can't see the sun. The clouds are messing with me. I thought I was on the other side of the hill, but north is that way. I'm going to trust my compass and I'm going to walk that way. That's what this song does for us. It, it's a great metric. It's a great true north for us to figure out, are we walking in the right direction? Are we worshiping the right Jesus here? Do we have the right 
God in our lens and our focus when we come to worship. So, as we continue to respond to Jesus and as we go from this place, my prayer, my hope is that we would be found together in the low places, that Jesus might find us, even as we find him, the one who is born to us this week in a lowly manger. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.